Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of Change the Subject, and I am your host by the name of BJ. You can follow BJ at DergoBJ. That is D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter. The subject change is the Instagram page. And today, ladies and gentlemen, and otherwise, we have a RBC conversation. Now, if you just so happen to partake in any type of vices that are constructive, not addictive, but constructive, I advise you to get them now because we're going to have one of those conversations where you may have to cut a partner off. You may have to rearrange a marriage. You may have to reconsider your relationship goals and a few other things in between. But um, for good reasons. Today, I have a couple that I respect. Um, family. And I believe that what we're going to discuss is going to help and heal a lot of relationships. Because for those of us who don't understand the worst of ourselves while dating, um, this is going to be somewhat of a guide or a compass for moving forward in that regard. So I'm going to introduce two people, one by the name of Stephanie T.L.A., which also means Stephanie, the life architect, and also the social media CNN by the name of Denny Blanco, that also hosts the Denny Talks IGTV series. They are both here on Change the Subject. How are you two doing today? BJ, <laughs> I'm very, very, very excited <laughs> and happy to be here. Thank you for having me back on the mm -hmm. show. This is my third appearance. Third here on Change the Subject, and I'm always happy to grace the microphone with you and even happier to do it with my partner. BJ, thank you for having us, man. Oh, man, this is an honor. This is going to be great for me because I just love talking to you both. And um, for you guys that are listening, we are actually in Maryland together. Um, quarantine has taught us to be very personal about who we fellowship with. And um, unfortunately, there's a lot of people, whether or not you know or not, that you're not going to be able to be around as fluent as you want to. Um, and it's not to say that there's a better or worse or a hierarchy in your relationships, but ultimately, I just think that my trust level exceeds um, the standard of trust I have with other people when it comes to you guys. So we decided to venture off to Maryland and, you know, fellowship. So this has been a great opportunity to talk, but it also gave me a conversation. So first, let's get into introductions. I always give you guys the room to kind of introduce your platforms. You both have very amazing platforms. So ladies first, give them all of your information again, even though they know, but, you know, reaffirm. <laughs> Some people might not know. And for right. those of you who do not, I am Stephanie, the life architect, the builder, customizer, designer of healthy, emotional lives. I am the queen of saying no. I am the host of the I Said No podcast. Hashtag what? ISM pod. Hello, boys. I am here <laughs> letting you know where you can find me across all social media platforms. That is at Stephanie TLA. That is S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E-T-L-A. That is on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter. My website is www.blcny.org. Come on over. Get that invoice sent and pay it so we can get your life right. How do I, <laughs> how do I <laughs> go after that? That was incredible. Thank you, dear. <laughs> that was incredible. I am Denny Blanco at uh, Twitter, Instagram. Denny Talks is the show I host and produce. 
come by for that daily fixing of uh, political views, sports talk, you name it, I'm here, and uh, let's do it. All right, all right. So, um, guys that are listening, please venture your way over to both of those platforms. They are great. I am one of the fans of both of these entities, and I believe that it could be of a great help to you. Um, let's get into this Q&A. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> it's going to be interesting because it's the first time I did a Q&A with a couple. So, it's going to be some questions, some what would you rathers or would you rathers and a couple of scenarios that are hypothetical, but just to get your answers, we're going to see how you measure up in these situations. Are y'all ready? Ready. Let's do it. All right, so question number one is, Denny is the most financially literate, but financially broke. Stephanie is the breadwinner, but irresponsible with the money. Who is the overseer of the finances in the relationship? Oh, BJ, BJ, BJ. I would outsource and say neither one of us, because we both, mm. we both are, from what you just said, we both have a deficit here. Right. Yeah. Right. So both, somebody both makes ways. the money, right? And doesn't yeah. know how to keep the money. Someone knows how to keep the money, money but doesn't know how to make, make the money. Right. So I think those both need some guidance because mm. just because you know what to do with the money, obviously you're not keeping, you don't know how to make it, which is also a skill. Right. So if you don't know how to make it, I don't know if I can trust you to keep it. Yeah. I don't. DJ, why are you? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Think about it. Think Come about on, it. man. No, I, I, I mean, I, I totally piggyback on what you said, but I don't, I, I don't know either way, to be honest with you. Um, For me, both need education. Yes. Yeah. But that's, you, you stumped me on that, that question. I don't know which way I want to go with that one. All right. I boy. say outsource. All right. Well, we got an answer. So we'll <laughs> it's that not ride. the one you wanted, but we got an answer. <laughs> right, right. All right. So question number two. Stephanie is the sexiest woman alive with absolutely no confidence whatsoever. She is completely unaware of her own beauty. Denny is a man who is used to having any and every woman he wants in his past life and is well known for having the most beautiful roster of exes on the block. Nice. Okay. How does he make Stephanie feel significantly special without displaying the hypothetical womanizer characteristics he utilizes for lady leverage? He has to listen to her. She's going to give off clues. I guess give off clues as to what's going to make her specifically tick. And he has to lean in on that. Lean in. What he do you mean to, by lean in? Well, lean in on. He has to listen to what basically listen to her speak on what's important to her. And then under, basically lean in on that. Lean in. Like if she says, you know, it's important for me. Family's important for me. Um, having kids is important for me. And then lean in on that. That's what's, that's what's going to give you leverage, in my opinion, mm. in that particular position. That's what's going to give you leverage to build her beauty confidence? Well, not beauty confidence. Just confidence build, overall? Yeah, confidence overall. Yes. So does it take confidence overall for it to even affect beauty in terms of confidence? Hmm. That's what you're saying, because the question was about yeah. beauty and her being lack, lacking confidence in that arena. Yes. So you're saying overall. Yeah, I'm saying overall in terms of, yeah, but, you know, that's, let me think about it. A little yeah, bit think more. about it. Let me give my answer. Send her to therapy. <laughs> check mark, right? She said it just said turn around. Send her to therapy. Listen, it is not your partner's responsibility to build your self-esteem. They could build upon 
your self-esteem, but they cannot build the initial foundation of your self-esteem. So the hypothetical Stephanie is insecure no matter how bad her man thinks she is. There's really nothing he can do about that because the rooting of that issue has nothing to do with the marriage. It's just, it's her. It, it's something before the marriage or her, oh, okay. right? So to okay. put that burden on him to be the creator of her confidence is really unfair. Right, right. Wow. Okay. All right. So question number three. In the event of a couple's club night, you two are mixing and mingling and are open to each other dancing and chatting with the clubbers. A woman approaches Denny to dance and has the fattest ass. Do it. <laughs> Drop something, baby. Stephanie mentions throughout the day in normal relationship setting that she wishes she had a little more cheek. Do it. But never makes it appear as an insecurity or discomfort. And as Denny enjoys his dance, Stephanie feels a way about watching this hoochie grind on him like a freako <laughs> on the dance floor. Not a hoochie. Not a freako. Back that ass up. Right? All right. As his wife, uh -huh. the first part of the question is, where does this conversation start subject-wise? And two, do you consider the fact that this is a space suited for this behavior that you invited him into? Oh, BJ, you annoy me so much <laughs> with these <laughs> questions. Yeah. First, I want to say this question mimics real life. Mm. I want to say that. Little did you know, right? Wow. I do wow. not have an ass. I have what Martin says, not at all. <laughs> not at all. My back goes straight down. I'm wow. thick, but I have no rear, right? And I'm constantly obsessed with women's asses mm -hmm. big small fake juicy all of it i want to see i want to touch them i want to feel them um and a lot of that came with society right i will right, admit right, that right. a lot of that came with the you know introduction of the brazilian butt lifts and the mm -hmm. bbl and so forth and so on so this is close to home right um how would the conversation start you asked mm -hmm. probably so i would like to have an emotionally you know healthy answer but i would be lying Right, it probably right. would start like, oh, so you like dancing on that bitch with the big ass? You know, it would probably <laughs> yes, be, would start. I <laughs> do. <laughs> <laughs> True story. It would not start with, hey, I feel like uh -huh. I, I really want to pretend that I'm that mature, that it would mm -hmm. start that way. But it would start most likely as an insult instead of actually articulating what I really felt, which was insecure and inadequate because I didn't have what right, she right. had, mm. you know, and also making it a mountain out of a molehill. You're dancing with her for a song. You and I are going home together. Mm. Right? And you fuck this flat ass all the time from the back, front, left, right, and side. So obviously you're okay with this flat ass. But my insecurity won't allow that to be on my front wow. row. Wow. You know, wow. so that's where the conversation would start. Insecurity takes over. Yeah, it leads. You know, if you're insecure, your language is that of insecurity. Your actions are that of insecurity. Mm -hmm. And the minute what you're insecure about is in the vicinity, you can't help but articulate with insecurity talk, insecurity speak. And so is that a, is that something that you should focus on in a relationship? Because I think that anything opposite of your partner is going to be offensive in any type of form of communication. When you deal with like people who bring their truth to the table like I, I can imagine that like if you are a person given the example where you haven't really resolved within yourself that this is my body and you don't know how to accept and appreciate it that anybody she could be ugly but just have a fat ass and you're going to have a problem with it 
You see, it now wouldn't bother me because I know he's really about a face. Yeah, in this particular uh, situation. See, that wouldn't bother in me. this particular situation, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. this face don't change. <laughs> don't get it twisted. Yeah. <laughs> I tell I tell I tell boys all the time, I tell my homeboys all the time, man. Stop focusing on the on the on the the butt, the legs, the the, the breast. Focus on the face first, then go down from there. Because you gotta look at a person's face every single morning, every single afternoon, every single evening. Yeah. Facts. You can't facts. have dinner with the booty at the table. Like, it's not gonna turn around a chair. I mean... Shut up. <laughs> if you really think about no, it... No, that booty's not gonna talk how was your day, right? It's gonna talk to you later in a different way. But right, when you right. call, when you video time and FaceTime somebody at work, it's not the butt or the breast talking to you. It's actually that face. That and face. he had to really let me know, like, though you want other things and you want to do things to your body, like, I'm obsessed with looking at you. Mm. Your face is what matters to My me. So guy. a big ass alone is not going to make me insecure. Facts. If she has a lot of other things going for her that I know he likes off his checklist, that confidence, she's beautiful to him. Because mm-hmm. I say to him because there's sometimes he says a woman's beautiful and I disagree as far as how she looks face-wise. So if she checks certain boxes, yes, I'll be insecure. But just the fat ass because I'm insecure about the fat ass? No. No. All right. So you actually walked me into the RBC question. Through respect, the boundaries, and the communication. If you know what RBC means, you know it's not free. So if you're fortunate, tell a friend to subscribe to Stephanie's Patreon because this is where you're probably going to find out what RBC means because, again, it's not free. All right. So question number four is you are both having a difficult time communicating with each other on emotional issues between you. Denny meets a co-worker who, unbeknownst to him, is a college graduate of psychology. So where he believes her to be innately understanding in their one-on-one conversations, she is actually taught and certified in understanding people in general. Does a woman having a much better understanding of Denny's thoughts and behaviors in this time affect you based on what you do for a living? And the second part to the question is, how do you deal with knowing that your skill set is possibly outdated when it comes to your man based on the exposure to the woman who is a degree major of psychology? I don't like you, DJ. So mm, uh-uh. <laughs> just, lay, just, just lay down, just lay it down. Ask the first question again. First question is. Um, does a woman having a much better understanding of Denny's thoughts and behaviors in any way offend you based on what you do for a living? That answer is no, mm-hmm. because she's not married to him, right? Mm-hmm. Because though I do what I do for a living, though I'm a certified professional life coach and she might be, you know, has her psychology degree. When I talk to him as my husband, I'm not a life coach, right? Mm-hmm. So if she sees him and understands him and can decode him in ways that I can't, I would expect her to with a psychology degree, especially because she's removed from the situation. She's not biased. She doesn't have to sleep with him. She doesn't have to pay bills with him. You know, she's coming from with an outside lens that's lens that's clear Mm -hmm. and that's not clouded with the emotional attachment that I have. Right. So instead of being mad at it, I actually probably like, we going to book her or not because she actually has tools that we need. Wow. Wow. Okay, and the second part of that is how do you deal with knowing that your skill set could potentially be outdated when it comes to your man? I don't know if it's outdated or it's just not relevant to him because, again, I'm emotionally close to it. So is it outdated or I just really can't use my tools with him because I'm fucking him? 
I have soul ties with him. I lay with him. His mother is my mother. My mother is his mother. My niece is his niece. It's different. He's not in my client chair. Though we have conversations and my coaching did help our marriage, ultimately we still went to couples therapy with someone who knew nothing about us. Mm. So I would challenge the outdated to say, does it even apply to him? Wow, wow. Ooh-wee. So question for you, since this is more or less driven to her, is a woman's skill set ever considered in terms of how successfully she is getting through to men when a guy gets caught cheating is usually directed towards a flaw within him it's never a question of what she couldn't do in a moment of need for you as a man yeah. take it slow, BJ. take it a little slow because you you're doing too much bj is a woman's is a woman's skill set ever considered in terms of how successful she is getting through to a man when he's caught cheating based upon the fact that in most cases it's always driven towards what his flaws are and not the fact that she was able to get through to him based on recognizing his needs it's tough because you know guys will cheat and then it's just like he's a dog he he, he stepped out and no one looks at you know no, it's not a possibility that he stepped up for a reason. It's just him being overly aggressive or just wanted his cake and eating too. So, I, man, no, society won't look back. I mean, depends on the scenario. I'll be honest with you. It depends on the scenario, what, what, what exactly transpires. But the first thing I'm thinking about when I'm looking at a scenario is, uh, I mean, I'm looking at both sides. I'm looking at what she brought to the table because there's usually no self-accountability on both sides of the equation when it comes to a relationship. It's usually um, a gender war. Guys mm. pick the guy. Guys pick the you know the guy side. Women pick the woman's side. And it's like ah, y'all get to y'all corners, and then everybody you know get, gets gets together with the woman on their side. The woman will be like, hi, right, this is what happened. Fills everybody in, and then they throw, start throwing darts at the other side. And the men do the same thing, and there's no reconciliation. Mm-hmm. There's no understanding of why the situation happened. Mm-hmm. There's no deep dive of what each other could have brought to the table and make the relationship work to, to not even establish a step out situation mm-hmm. so it's deep mm. so for a woman do you think that the skill set is ever considered lightly I, I think when it comes if a woman is cheated on because women in my opinion hold more of the emotional weight in relationships and sometimes the physical weight because unfortunately we have a lot of boys in adult flesh acting mm-hmm. as if they're men right and they're only providing fiscally if that and they think that's enough right so you have women carrying too many too too much of the load right you right. know in relationships you're helping him get to his emotionally healthy place in addition to trying to maintain yours you're cooking you're cleaning you're fucking you're sucking you're dropping off at daycare and when you have again boys in adult flesh talk about i'm babysitting my own kids which it doesn't even make sense because you can't babysit your loins, right? Mm -hmm. I'm babysitting only when they're not mine. You have a woman holding a lot in addition to her own insecurities and stuff like that. So when a woman gets cheated on, even if she has fallen off in what he needs, I think women rally together because we're always like, even if she didn't do what he thinks he needed to go outside, Mm -hmm. she has so much going on. She had a lot on her plate. She had a lot on her plate, so she couldn't be his mistress too. 
right? He wants sex every day or he wants lasagna and baked chicken and he don't want pizza and paper plates, mm -hmm. right? So she had a lot. She's trying to do the best she can to stay above water. I think that's why we don't look at what she does. And even if we look at it, we glaze by it. Right. Mm -hmm. True. We glaze by it because we're looking at the weight she carries. All right. So question, where are we at in this shit? All right. <laughs> question number five. In terms of the word bitch, how do you feel about each of you potentially feeling that way about your partner considering that whatever reason you decided to call your partner this is the very same reason your friends address you as a bitch as well in your social spaces i mean you know the, the word bitch can have so many different definitions in so many different times you know so if my lady called me a bitch you know she she's obviously trying to make us a, a very very strong point to try to get my thoughts together so I can get, you know what I mean, get straight. So Stop acting like a bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop stop acting like a bitch. Now, she didn't call me a bitch now, but she said stop acting like a bitch. So you feel like we should, that should be permissive in a relationship? No. Not being called we don't to, use it. No, we don't even, I don't even use okay. it. I don't even use it at all. Because to me, and you know, this is just me speaking for myself being referenced as a bitch in any way shape or form is a deal breaker coming from a woman i'm with mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. because i know what is intended to mean we have to deal with um patriarchy in a sense and to know that a woman is using the very thing that she's offended by against me as her man tells me that it only works for you when it benefits you mm-hmm so in order for you to think that you're going to call me a bitch, then within right, I should be able to call you the same thing. Agreed. And publicly, if someone sees me out and I just so happen to say, bitch, why you do that? Or bitch this or bitch that. And I'm still judged and you don't stand up and defend me in that regard. Then it has to be a deal breaker. It can't it can't have a space in a relationship. So I never I'm not cool with that. Yeah, we don't use it in our relationship. We're very jovial, though. Like, there are times I often tell him, I think people think we're in a domestic violence relationship. Or uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because of the vernacular we use to uh, express ourselves. We're very uh, jokeful. We come from the uh, deaf comedy jam Facts. era Facts. where, we, where we, we will speak our mind, but it's going to be with little colorful words, and it's not supposed to you know cut you deep but it's just gonna let you know where we're at so right yeah so, so we're in the supermarket and i'm like go over there and get my wheat this he's like shut up before i bust you with a white meat show bernie mac you know what i mean yeah. I, if you don't know what that is right and we're up in yonkers or riverdale which is very caucasian in new york mm -hmm. city and someone breaks their neck i'm like babe she think we fighting like she, one time <laughs> i yeah one time she said something in the, in the store i said I can't wait to push you down some stairs. Oh. Yes. And, and the lady, line was like. The whole line look was like. Oh, my God. And then, of course, I'm laughing. And they thinking, like, she's, oh, my God, she's battered. She's just trying to, right. like, play it off. But, no, this is just our dialogue. So, if you don't know us, I mean, you spent the right. weekend with us. You see us dancing back and forth. Y'all calling us Bobby and Whitney uh -huh. in a fun way. Right, right? right, right. But if right. you don't know us, you think that we do use the term bitch. You think that we are aggressive that mm -hmm. way with each other. And, you know, honestly, no, I don't think in all the years I've known him, I don't think I've ever called him a bitch. Wow. Well, then that's another thing, too. I've you know had conversations with her and I've always said, like, I have seen relationships where it's a uh, we need to one up each other with the words and the energy. 
it's not just the words it's the energy combined so now it's like oh yeah well you know you say you say bitch it's like no 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 that doesn't cut enough we need something else now one person maybe the lady she says something that hurts you then now hey you got to come up with something new to make the same level and then it keeps going going until it becomes maybe physical and Mm -hmm. then it becomes to another level so i try to tell everybody just if you try to keep keep it civil keep it calm keep it collective don't don't try yeah, to you know man. use pride to to, to to win argument it's not about winning all the time it's about sometimes it's about understanding and trying to come to an accord he's helped me with not verbally assassinating people mm. that's the environment i grew up in nyc Harlem bronx mm-hmm. if we arguing we argue Facts. Right? Facts. It's about your mother. Fuck your dope. Fuck your baby. Like, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Why, my bitch. Baby? Why, Why my baby? Everybody. Use a bitch ass nigga. Like, everything you can do, like he said, to one up and emasculate, if it's mm. a man, to assassinate the character of whoever the being is. And one day we were arguing years ago, and he was just like, You need to realize that there are things that you say that I will never forget. Mm hmm. And that penetrates our relationship because though forgiveness happens, there goes the triggering, right? You you, you put someone in a trauma mode. Right, right, right. right. And he's just like, you can't talk to me in any way. And he was the first man who told me, like, if you think you can talk to me the way you talk to everybody else in the street, you're going to be alone. And I was annoyed and turned on all at the same time. <laughs> I was. My guy. I was. I was. Because when you look at his stature, he's thin, thin, thin in frame. He's mm-hmm. a slim guy. And people would look at, because our stature is different, I always call us the number 10. He's the one and I'm the zero, right? I'm the full one. People mm. think that I'm I'm always emasculating him. My personality is big and they have no idea. He Just because he doesn't yell doesn't mean he's not hurt. Hurt. Right. right. Just right. because he's not aggressive in the typical definition of aggressive, he's not confrontational, he is stern. You're going to respect this Ghanaian African man, point blank and period. And I was just like, well, fuck you. All right, Dad. All right. Well, all right. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Praise Jesus. Praise <laughs> Jesus. All right. So we got two more questions left, and y'all at the end of the road. So question number six is you have the opportunity to renew your vows based on what you know about marriage politics, which is more likely to help you last longer in your renewed vows. The beautiful scenery and landscape of a huge wedding or the basement wedding with only those who are truly supportive of your marriage. That's easy. B. Yep. <laughs> B. That's easy. Easy. So in the grand scheme of renewing your vows, a lot of times you are in a position where y'all married through your struggle. Mm-hmm. So first, the first marriage is usually the more meager of the two. It still doesn't matter to elevate or to level up based on how you initially felt about the love you were trying to project to each other that doesn't play a part in the overall grand scheme Mm-mm. my first wedding was in montego bay jamaica on the beach at sunset with 16 people wow this time around because we are going to renew our vows we're older you know we've been in this game for a while mm. we've been through the ups downs and we're going to do it again it won't be more than 16 people again, again. it might uh, be 10 it might be five it might just be me and him 
Because we made sure, I told him when he proposed to me, I said, I want people there who are going to sow into this marriage. I said, when I'm hurting and in pain and questioning how I am as a woman, as a wife, I want men and women there I can go to. God forbid if I put you out or I need to stay somewhere, I want someone's wherever, whatever couch that is or room that is, that's the person I want to be there. Mm -hmm. I want people who understand relationship and understand communication, past communication, and understand that real communication means comprehension. Facts. Right? I told him when I get married, I do not want my whole mother's side of the family. Okay? My mom is Puerto Rican. Everybody named mama was trying to come on there and eat and drink for free. Right? Mm. And we were only 30 years old at the time. My budget wasn't even all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. My father's budget wasn't even all of that. And though they was willing to take out loans and stuff, I just was like, I don't feel that you should take out a thirty thousand dollar loan for one day. True. So True. I approached him about destination weddings and I said, Listen, we can go for the whole week, honeymoon and wedding all in the same thing. We invite who we invite, we hook them up with the travel agent. If they come, they come. They got a year to plan. Here's the pricing. This is what I wanna do. He literally was like, Whatever you wanna do, we can do. Facts, facts. That's dope. It was, man, listen, I, I enjoy me a good wedding, good dancing, good liquor. I enjoy it. But sometimes you got to think about um, the people there. You were inviting 100 people. Was a, these people Are these people going to really care about your union? Are mm-hmm. they really going to uh, uh, be there for counsel? That's why I totally agree when she mentioned the, uh, you know, doing the honeymoon and us planning everything, being it all small and, and and compact i was like now nah, we need to do it like that because they're the ones those are the people that are going to be focused on us the most mm. they're going to be sincere and it's about quality not you know quantity yeah that's right. pretty much it yeah. who's right. going to invest into your relationship and 10 years later same people same people are around same they, people they ain't going nowhere all around they ain't going nowhere you know some of them same people are around and they didn't go anywhere and they have invested and the, the proof is in the pudding they have invested in our marriage they have supported our marriage they have not been biased they have told me when i was wrong mm-hmm. they have told him when he was right or wrong um and they have just been champions for us not to stay together but for us to be happy, happy. right and that's who you want at right. your wedding you can have a party anytime if it's about the party, you can have a one-year anniversary party. You can have an right. engagement party. You can just throw a party on a Saturday because you want to throw a party. Mm-hmm. When I said I'm going to be a wife, it's more about what me and him are going to get into versus what I'm pretending and showing y'all facts, I'm fitting to get facts. into. All right. So the final question is, a biopic of Stephanie and Denny is in production because the two of you have skyrocketed to amazing heights. You are responsible for picking who plays your spouse. Who are you all picking as an actor or actress to play the part of each other in your biopic? Who you picking see. for me, bro? Wow, man. Make sure she cute. This casting, this casting couch is going to be crazy. Let me think about it. Hold on now. Who do I want to play you? Yeah. Wow. Who could you see kissing me on screen? Don't set, don't set up for failure, D. You gotta think about this. <laughs> There's a lot of ways this can go. Don't set up for failure, D. Oh, wow. I don't know. I mean, I've gotten called any light skinned plus size woman I've been called. I've been called Queen Latifah. I've been called Faith Evans. Anyone who's relatively close to 180 pounds and light skinned, they automatically associate me to her. So I don't know. Mm. Um, a new upstart that no one knows about <laughs> coming on the scene. Nobody from the pink? 
So no. yeah, somebody from somebody the ping. From the somebody from Chuck the ping. <laughs> yeah, somebody from ping. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I mean, you. You have no. I don't know if I. If I For you, what's his name? David Auello. Auello. David. Oh, from. Oh yeah, I know he's mine. Yeah, him. You, you want him? <laughs> well, I'm just being really ignorant because he's African. Okay, That's just want all. to make sure. No, just want to clear that up real quick. I mean, <laughs> I would love to kiss yeah, yeah. Idris Alba so he can play you though he doesn't. I mean, y'all both black, so... So, yeah, if that's we, what you want... If we could yeah. go with the skin, y'all both beautiful and chocolate. All right, so you want to go with interest, right? I mean, right. if I could be at the screen test... All right. ...and make sure <laughs> that everything was copacetic... Right, true. I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> we got you. We're going to set you up. We're going to set you up. Yeah, for me, I don't know. Good question. Who would play me? I don't know. Maybe... Well, you like Keisha Cole, so just throw her, her ghetto ass Hell no. Nah. <laughs> Not Keisha. He thinks she's cute. Keisha. He love her. Not, not for the flick, though. Not for the nah. flick. Not for the flick. She could be the stand-in. Mm-hmm. He could go for that. All right, screen Beyonce. Test. Beyonce. We'll, <laughs> say, we'll say Beyonce. I wish, from, but she uh, can't act. Well, so I mean, I mean, I'm a stand, but I'm an honest stand. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an honest stand. I love my queen. I bow down. Beyonce from Austin Powers. That Beyonce. Oh, the thick one. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, that honey, one. Baby. Perfect. That you one. Good. That All one. Right. It. All right, yeah, you're so. doing a lot. I'm gonna need lipo suction. Hey. Don't worry, we got the we got it on. We got the bands. Yeah, on that. y'all blew up. Y'all on your way. Right? Okay, okay. That's right. So I gotta be at the movie premiere, matching my you know on screen persona. Like, for sure, easy. for sure. Got it. So y'all completed Q A and A. All right. So I want to have a real conversation about relationships, and the beauty of this is because for the very first time, I have a couple to give the compare and contrast of opinions and views, and. In this conversation, I want to discuss allowances and acceptance in a relationship. Um, I want to kind of break down the the idea of for better or for worse, because mm-hmm. one sounds like acceptance. Another part of it sounds like allowance. Um, you truly believe going into these vows that because a person does something you don't like you have to accept it and allow it Mm -hmm. whereas for better or for worse it's actually in my viewpoint based on conditions um how do we handle the best and worst of times not how we necessarily treat each other so i want to kind of like dig up under the psychology behind something that is supposed to be meant for good but it's ultimately the very reason why marriages do not last. And that's what was interesting, right? But we we had a conversation about it. We didn't have that in our vows. We wrote our own. We wrote our own. We didn't have for better, for worse, because of that particular dichotomy of situation, where it's just mm-hmm. like now you have to think like, wait a minute, am I supposed to fight through abuse that someone's not trying to deal with because it's for better, for worse? Mm-hmm. Mm. Am I supposed to allow this to happen because I chose to be with this person and marry this person? It was, you know, it was, it's, no, I, I didn't believe it as soon as we talked about it. I didn't, I didn't follow it. Mm. Well, I'm with him. Uh, I don't believe that that should be even be what someone says in that moment because I might not even like you better. Like, every, wow. everybody's so focused on the worst might be bad. Right. But your better might still not be enough for me. Mm. 
because we all grow and change. Right. Most right, people right, do. Right, Most people right. do. So people always focused on like, oh my God, I don't want to say better or worse because the worst might be like really bad doom and gloom, which is a possibility. Mm-hmm. But what if your better is not quick enough for me? What if the timeline of your better doesn't work for me? I just didn't want to put those broad generic conditions and allowances. Mm-hmm. On my marriage. I didn't want to put that in the atmosphere. I didn't want to manifest mm-hmm. that on my wedding day mm-hmm. to say no matter what it is, we're going to have this broad opening of better and worse, and I'm just going to rock with whatever it is. No, right, we're not right, doing that. Right. I don't know what your better will be. I don't know if your better will be enough, and I don't know if your worse will be too much. So I'm just going to eliminate that altogether, and I'm going to write what I feel from my heart in this moment. This mm. is about this moment. So I'm not going to talk about 10, 20 years from now because I don't even know if we'll be alive right. 10, 20 years from now. Right, I'm right. not going to say better or for worse to condone your cheating, mm-hmm. to condone your laziness in this marriage, to condone me feeling lonely whenever you're around, to condone anything that keeps me in this restricted emotional prison. I'm just not going to do it. Facts, facts. So um, I asked you a question as a woman. Do you see any positivity and dealing with the worst of a man, because in considering how people tend to profess for better or for worse, you honestly asked for it. Yes. When you stood in front of the the officiator and proclaimed that this is what you were willing to do. And you find that this is the very thing that women are complaining about coming out of marriage. So what is the positive sides of dealing with the worst of any man if, in fact, you had to deal with? Good question. Um, I believe the if there's any positive side of dealing with someone's worst, that could be the karma you put into the universe about grace and mercy so that when your worst comes in, someone will deal with you. You. Okay. Right. Okay. If we're talking about what is what could come out of it that's good, many lessons can come out of dealing with your man or a man at his worst. But that's the only thing for me that's really worth it. Giving grace and mercy, saying I I, I, I did something that would possibly give me the same grace and mercy in return, the reciprocity I'll need when I'm at my worst. Because I'm human too. There is going to be a time mm-hmm. in my marriage that I'm at my worst. Now, my worst might be better than yours or worse than yours or the scale, the spectrum, Mm -hmm. wherever we fall on might be different. But that's the only thing I would say to me. And this is from a woman who has been married for a decade. Being there for him at his worst so far, I've learned a lot of lessons, but the most valuable one is giving the grace and mercy that I know I've needed and will need Mm. in the future. So when when it comes to you, how do you see yourself in the position of being at your worst and in a relationship with the person who is best suited to help you at your worst. But society and spiritually, we are told that we're supposed to be at our best before we step to the plate. (sighs) You know, she created an environment of, of, environment where I could be comfortable to be able to come to her when you know things were rough and we we have it you know have the ability to communicate I think that's important in, in general I think a lot of times we don't have a men in general um either 
don't have the communication level to ask for a comfortable environment to speak, to mm-hmm. be able to lay down some of the things that they feel they need work on. And when you're on a team, it's okay to talk to your teammate and say, hey, look, this is what I need to work on. Can you help me with this? Can you help me with my jump shot? Can you help cool, me rebound? Cool, cool. You know what I'm saying? So, But, you know, that's the part of the better of for worse that I question because in my experiences from being in in weddings and kind of attending weddings, a lot of what is understood about why that is a vow is a slap in the face to a man, in my mm. opinion. Break it down. Please, let me know. The reason why is because the only way we ever get to experience what that means is we already had to have our shit together before we even got to the podium to exchange the vows. Well, that was the concept. The concept was you you had the house, you had the you had the stability, and then you were ready for ready for a woman. So when you married her, everything was supposed to be situated. Right. That's the thought. So process. how do you benefit for? How do you benefit from for better or for worse? If it was contingent upon you having your shit together to begin with. Mm. <laughs> Mm. As I digest, <laughs> lady, uh, he asked you, not me. I mean, listen, I, man, for better, for worse. I, I, like I said, I didn't like it when I first heard it, man. <laughs> I didn't like it when I first heard it. I was like, nah, that's a setup for failure. It is. It it's is. a setup for failure. And to be honest, most men do already feel at their worst. When, when they're, they get married. yeah, they already feel like they're inadequate and not enough. Most men don't want to get married for financial reasons. If I become her husband, I become her for provider, I become her keeper, I become her quote unquote king. Changes everything. And I can't provide because I'm still a pauper. Yes. Right? Yes. And the, and the world tells me, society tells me that when I marry her, I'm supposed to give her a backyard. I'm supposed to give her a picket fence. Mm. I'm supposed to give her um, quarterly vacations. I'm supposed to give her that hashtag couples gold. Hair. I'm supposed to give her them hair, that nails. I'm supposed mm. to give her these, you know, Celine bags. I'm supposed to give her all this stuff that, you know, our generation covets. Mm. And I can't do that. And even if you don't want all the, you know, uh, accoutrements of the Instagram world, you still are trained to be a man to take her out her mama's house or wherever she is and upgrade her. Mm -hmm. You already come feeling as your worst if you're not where you believe you should be be. at that time. So if a man says for better or worse, he's actually, again, manifesting not only how he currently feels, but in my opinion, he's actually saying, hey, I'm already here and you already marry me at my worst. So don't expect it to get any better, any better. And True. that's a problem. Yeah. 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 Terrible baseline. Terrible baseline. Terrible baseline. But that's the baseline that's given to you guys. And then that also prohibits women from getting what they want as far as moving forward in the relationship if they want marriage. Because let's be clear, not every man and woman wants marriage. But for those who do, when a man keeps coming like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, you ask him why he's not ready and all he's talking about is money. Well, I can't give you what you want. She's like, babe, I'm happy in this apartment. I'm happy in this. I'm happy in that. And he's just like, but I can't do it. That's a conversation we had. He's like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready because I can't give you all the things that you want. I said, well, what is it that I want? He got quiet because he didn't know. Mm. So he came with the worst mindset already. 
I'm at my worst. I have a job just like you. I don't have, I'm not a CEO. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not Damon Shark on Shark Tank. I'm not, you know, LL Cool J. I'm not. I'm not LL. You know, you're not. Damn. No. So my (laughs) question to you is, in those instances where he wasn't able to answer the question, I believe that the setup or the baseline as we typically use sometimes is already set up for us to assume because there's a chase that comes with attraction. There is a there is a knowing you better than you know yourself that is very attractive and sexy. Yeah. So in these moments of thinking that he knows you better or he's giving you that chase maybe he's teaching you about size of your expectation Mm -hmm. and in relationships for women that tends to be problematic because they'll say well you used to do x y and z Mm -hmm. when i taught you that Mm -hmm. and because you didn't give me the credit i just assumed that it wasn't enough or it wasn't working so for better or for worse i decided to do a new thing right how do we deal with reciprocity in that space of making the attempts to learn, making the attempts to profess and provide and all of those things and letting your partner know that though I see what you're trying to do and I appreciate it, this is not it. Because that kind of sends you into your corners with a slight resentment. Mm-hmm. Is that is that something that is possible? Yeah, I, th- I think it's possible to eliminate some of that resentment again with effective communication Communication. and not just communication. So when I say communication, I don't mean just talk, right? Because when you talk, that doesn't mean someone hears you just because you listen. Don't mean you heard me. Don't mean it's been digested. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when it's digested, do you comprehend what I'm saying? saying? Do you understand my definition of worse or better? Do you understand my definition of I'm okay, babe? What does that actually mean? I don't think people really are ready for the level and amount of communication it really takes for marriage. No, they're not. Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) No, they are not. It takes complete practice. Okay. Okay. Continuous LeBron James level, Kobe Bryant level practice. We're talking about dedicating time to not just a pass by conversation, dedicating time to even if you have to stop and revisit and come back, Mm -hmm. you got to put a pin in it. You got to be like, you know what? When you said that now, I think this today's a new day or later on. Or I read this book. It takes constant continuing education. You got to be surrounded around married folk or relationship folk that are like-minded like you. You got to be watching Black Love on OWN, right? Because that's one of the only shows that shows healthy Black dialogue, right? You got to be reading books by Black married authors. You got to be listening to Black relationship podcasts. Mm -hmm. You have to be in spaces where men like you and women like you or however you identify, beings like you are expressing and sharing so you don't feel alone. Mm -hmm. You feel heard. And you're given tools on how to go back and say, okay, maybe that's how he or she felt. Yeah. So for you guys that are listening, we are going to title this conversation for better, no worse. Because the reason why we don't settle for no worse is simply because most of the times that's you not identifying the worst of yourself. So you'll base conditions on your partner 
based on the worst of yourself that you can't deal with, the questions you can't answer, the responsibilities you can't own up to. And it kind of puts your mate at a a disadvantage because, again, as we stated to Denny, there is this idea that for better or for worse, it's supposed to benefit a man that has to kneel down on one knee and propose to you. But based on your relationship requirements, he had to have everything to the betterment of the relationship before he married you. So if there was no room for you to step in to show that you can help him, how does he know that you're the better woman hmm. to be with? Good question. I just caught the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you going to speak in tongues? Oh, Beyonce. Yeah, I just, yeah, I yeah. just. <laughs> hey, glory. Yes. How does he know you're the better woman? How did you know? Series of events where you um, established that you're a great human being. Like I, I was, um, I, I caught an infection and I was in the hospital and I told my brother, I just met this bad, super bad John Ooh, and I needed him to pay attention because, you know, I was just trying to, I was just watering the fly at this point. I was try, just trying to get to know her. Uh-huh. So I told him to um, look out for a phone call and then basically I got sick, went to the hospital. And I was supposed to take her to the movies. Okay. And I didn't call her. So she calls my phone. My brother picks up. Brother's like 14 at a time. And she's like, hello? And he's just like, hello? She's just like, is this Dennis' phone? He's like, yeah. She's like, he's like, um, Dennis is sick. He's in the hospital. She's like, what? He's in the hospital? You would think as a human, she may be like, wait until I come back. Wait till I get, wait till I get, feel better. And then call her back. Uh-huh. She ends up in front of my face. I wake up in the hospital. She's sitting in front of me. I'm like, how the hell did you find me? Where? How did you? What are you doing here? And she's just like, oh, I'm here. I heard you were sick. Oh, my goodness. You look terrible. Where's Where's the Vaseline? Where's your T-shirt? Oh, my God. Clean his face. And I was just like, and I looked at my brother. I was just like, yeah, yeah we're going to keep her around a little longer. She yeah. she, she know what she's doing. She know what she's doing. At the, at the end of the day, we know we can take her down to the foxhole. So we're going to keep... <laughs> We gonna keep her around and see if she bout it, bout it, rat it, rat it. Listen, I when I care, I care. Facts. When facts. I care, I care. When I don't, I do not. There's no in between. Mm-hmm. I either do, or I don't. And at that point, we had been dating, and I cared. And he's just like, "Oh, he's in Montefiore Hospital, up the block from my house." I just hung up the phone. I was like, "Fine, I'm gonna go to work." And when I get off of work, I'm gonna just go up there. It's information. I go to the hospital desk. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me where Dennis is, what room he is? I go upstairs and his sister and brother's there. And I just felt, love my laws, but I just felt like for him, for his sister and brother to be there, he looked like he was there by himself. Like he was homeless. His lips is crusty. Mm. It smells in the room. You can tell like he went to the hospital and he hadn't been changed yet. I think he had got a tattoo and had ink poisoning. Oh. Yeah, that's what it was. I think so it was. So his like yeah. face blew up. It was just, and so he wasn't really like an emergency case. So I feel like the nurses just kind of let him. Wow. You know, wow. sit to the side. So you know, if a woman, if you a woman like me, you got a bag full of goodies, right? So facts, I got facts. my wipes. I got my <laughs> I just walk around with my, you know, hand sanitizer. So I basically gave him a like a whole sponge bath right there. And his sister and brother like, who is this chick? And I'm like, hey, y'all, y'all dropping the ball. So your brother looking crusty, he's smelling a little funky. And I'm going to run downstairs to the gift shop, get him some deodorant. And I just went into nurturing mode. Wow. And for me, every time he tells that story, he's just like, that's when it just kind of hit me. Like, this is better. Wow. 
this is better for me. I've dated chicks. I've dated, and though she's my sister, she loves my own sister sitting here, and she's the woman, and she didn't do that for me. Wow. This is better. This is better. That was one indication of the better for the better or mm. worse. Okay, so question for you. Now, in the age that we're in, um, we have standards. And, you know, I've oftentimes heard you say that um, a person is not worth lessening your standards. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So in this particular case of a woman setting very high standards, how do you see the best or worst in a potential partner if all you can see is what you want? You don't. You, You have tunnel vision. If all I'm looking at is what I want. I'm not given wiggle room to see anything else. Mm. And that's what I was doing at first. And that's how I know he was going to be my husband. I was willing to stop looking down that tunnel and start using my side mirrors. Wow. Right? Wow. If you're a driver, you know you can't just look in the, in front of you. Right. You've got to use you know, your left, your right. you got to mm-hmm. look in that rear view. The blind side. you got to make sure the blind side is covered as much as possible. Wow. you got to adjust those mirrors. You have to do so. Right. Mm-hmm. Even if you get in your own car all the time, there's some time whether I lean the seat back an inch or front, I got to adjust the mirrors because it wasn't the last ride. Mm-hmm. I had to stop looking at him as the last ride. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Wow. I had to adjust yeah, those mirrors. Facts. And he was the first guy that I wanted to adjust those mirrors for. He was the first guy that I didn't feel like adjusting those mirrors meant that I was letting go of everything I believed. I had to really be like, it's not about letting go. It's about shifting. Mm. I still have standards, but these are standards with a man, not a boy in adult flesh. The standards that I have were actually walls, right? They weren't boundaries. They were my hurt talking, my trauma speak, my cheating speak. Mm-hmm. They weren't really, mm. you know, healthy boundaries and healthy standards. They was dealing with these cornballs in the hood. They were the standards that I built from the domestic violence relationship that I had before I met him. Wow. Right. I'm getting slapped and punched. I'm fighting. I'm slapping and punching. That's not who he is. So I'm going into this relationship with this man based on the standards of a man who used to hit Hit me me. and cheat on Mm. me and got another woman pregnant on me in my own apartment. Then I get with this dude and he's very respectful and he's bigging me up from day one. He's like, how old are you? 22. You got your own apartment. Where do you work on Wall Street? What? He was just like, I don't understand why you would even be in a situation where you were. Wow. So it dawned on me, thanks to my mom and pops, who were just like, you're looking at him through the lens of your last relationship. Your standards are based on a domestic violence, unhealthy relationship when that's not who he is. So why do we champion women who still have that, that set of glasses on? Because that's that's where most of the support is driven. Yeah. It's like, you know, get your assist, get the coins, sis. Well, I'm about know. the coins, too, but yeah. I'm about the coins for the right reason. So we like to jump on bandwagons, right? Mm. And we like to champion what we like to champion. Again, like I said earlier, a lot of times we stick with our sexes on purpose just because of what our sexes have been through. We don't look at the actual situation. Absolutely. In the moment, right? Absolutely. We just look yeah. on like this is a woman and women are always at the bottom of the totem pole, especially black women. Let's call yeah, a thing a thing. It, black yeah. women are always mistreated. They're the most disrespected. They're the most devalued. So when a black woman has a moment to come up, even if her come up is through shady shit, mm-hmm. even if she done trapped a baller, whatever it is, we're like, go girl, go. Because yeah. we are so deprived. We're thirsty to be treated well. Okay. 
that's a huge um that's a huge segue because there are times when I truly believe that our expectations can cause blockage in a sense when we think of looking forward to potential better people. Um the love we aspire to have at some times is only a reflection of either what we haven't received or what we can't give. So there's a point where better is actually imaginative. Mm-hmm. It's not a reality. Mm-hmm. And you've built this imaginative goal or standard for yourself in a relationship and you have no clue as to how much of what reality is requiring of that goal is going to put on you responsibly. So when you just so happen to become that man who says, I'm just tired of these hoes. Mm -hmm. You don't realize that you were a hoe too. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe I wasn't a hoe. No, you was a big ass hoe. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. No. BJ's right. BJ's right. You okay. can't be with hoes and not think you're, you're a, a hoe. hoe. Right. You can't be with shit and not stink. Mm. Yeah. So it you, just don't work like that. So you begin to imagine yourself in these completely different, cert, I guess, scenarios, still not accepting that you are the likeness in the space that you're prejudging. So how do you transition from that headspace of not holding the guilt or the blame or the resentment of where you come from to transition into the better relationship? Because I can assume that some of that is still going to be in you when you meet better. Well, yeah, I mean, I had we have constant conversations about me growing up in in my household. You know, it was uh, my mom was a dictator and she when she said something, that was it. And then you couldn't talk you couldn't explain anything you was so i came into this relationship where she would say something and i would just shut down and she'd just be like she'd be like wait wait you there you there and i'd just be like huh and then she'd be like wait where's this coming from like what's going on i'm just like nah i'm letting you speak and you're like no nah, no nah, you can talk back and you can have a conversation with me speak your mind i'm just like and then we came to an epiphany moment where she was just asking me questions about you know family and then she was just like okay that's it you literally have to understand that you're not in a situation where you can't speak your mind. You can speak your mind now. And I had to literally, for her to establish that, I had to say something about it. If I don't say nothing about it, don't talk about my worst, then she's not going to talk about how we can get it, make it better. Wow. You feel what wow. I'm saying? Wow. If I don't I talk that. about it. If I don't talk about my worst. And if I don't talk about my worst, like, yeah, and my mom didn't let me speak out when I wanted to even address something she said, even when she was wrong. It was like, even I, even my dad would be like, she's she's wrong, but we're not addressing that right now. So I'm just like, wow. you know what I'm saying? So I'm just seeing women get away with just, just not letting me speak. So as I speak, you know, now I get to this woman and now she's speaking and I'm not like uh, fully engaged with her. Mm. And I don't even know where it's coming from. But now, you know, as I speak to her, she's just like, nah, you can speak your mind. You can, you can convey what you feel. And it takes it to a whole different level. So how does communication affect the ideas of tribulation and long suffering? Mm. Because now, now that we can talk, to each other and we feel like we have the communication here comes the allowance of mm-hmm. all of the shit that comes unnecessarily with each other mm-hmm. so how does that now affect 
the ideas of long suffering and tribulation. Well, it's tough too because you know I, I tell people all the time it would be lo- it would be lovely if everyone had an etch a sketch memory. For all those who don't know what etch a sketch is, you could just <laughs> you could it was a little little toy you could draw something and then you would shake it and it would disappear. Disappear. <laughs> if human brains worked that way, it would be a beautiful thing. But we came to a, you know an accord where it was just like okay, listen, in order for us to keep moving the ball forward, we have to get to a point where it's just like all right. We can't talk about what happened 20 years ago, 15 years ago. You know, we have to make it to where it's three years ago and forward. Mm -hmm. Whatever happened three years and forward, let's focus on that because obviously we have to establish grace for each other. Grace, grace. Both, both, both both parties, not separate. Okay. Yeah, we set a boundary on how far we can go back. Mm. We've been together for a long time, so... You can't talk about anything that's not from three years ago and back. And every New Year's, that three years reset. So whatever three years from right. 2020 is, then that's what it is. And if we catch ourselves, we'll, we'll be like, how long ago was that? Like, And then if that's the case, then tell your therapist, right? Because you can't keep holding me hostage mm. and bringing up situations from 10, 15 years ago. Especially if you claim that's something that you've... Wow. You didn't let it go. You didn't let it go. You didn't let it go. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things in the present that will trigger the situation from seven, eight, nine years ago. But if that trigger is not relevant to three years and you did nothing to work on that part for seven years, we're not allowed to yeah. go there. We have to go there with a professional. So that's no longer a relationship issue. No, it can't be. And if you want to hold it that bad, like you got to call, we have codes, we have stuff that we say to each other. Like if we were sitting amongst you guys and it was time, if I felt he was going too far, or he felt I was going too far, it was time to leave. We have a code that we would say that nobody knows what that means. That means it's time to go. So we put those SOS codes in place. And I think that's very important, especially when you're around family and mm. friends. You know that when you hear that, either we got to go, we got to go check in and be like, instead of that whole, can I talk to you for a minute, babe? Instead of having those like <laughs> out in the open things, he knows if he hears a certain word from me, that means he gets to regroup with me. And we just put those things in place. You have to set healthy boundaries. So to go mm-hmm. back to the allowance word you said, the definition of allowance is the amount of something that is permitted, especially within a set of regulations or for a specific purpose. So ba- when I talk about boundaries, they're close to allowances because a boundary is an allowance. I'm giving you grace for this set period of time, right? So when you said how does it affect your relationship long-term, it affects long-term because you're no longer allowed because we have the communication, right? because we have the comprehension, Mm. right? because we now know what the root of the issue is. right? You're not allowed to treat me like that for the rest of the year. right? You better do something about it because Mm -hmm. if this conversation comes up for the next two years, I'm going to have to make a decision whether to keep you around or not. Let it go. Wow. Don't hold on to it. So, for better or for worse, is now going to drift into the responsibility area of the relationship. Because in this conversation, speaking for men, usually for better or for worse is an indicator of a man somewhat being deserving of something that naturally doesn't come in just the standard relationship. We'll say that this is just a paraphrase of what we see and experience as people. I don't do this for nobody but my husband. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nobody but my husband, but you've never been married. Hmm. (laughs) So the acts that typically condition you to be the wife, the support, the 
the partner, the helpmate, the actions that typically condition you for the position you feel like you deserve to have are things that only come when he says that he wants to marry you. So again, it's almost to say for the man, this is when I deem you to be deserving. Is that a a reasonable for better or for worse position to put a man in knowing that he has to make provision, he has to protect, and he has to provide for somebody he does not know in terms of characteristics of the helpmate he's going to potentially need? That's a great question. How do I become this keeper of a house I didn't live in, essentially? Mm. Right? Right. Ugh. That's difficult because you want to keep some things sacred for someone that has that coveted sacred position. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I do understanding wanting to test drive a car before you buy it. Yeah. So it's one of those situations where it's situational Mm -hmm. because I don't think you can just say that for every marriage and every man and every, I think it's situational based on your morals, ethics and values and how you want to roll. And also if you've been married before, so you have people who are on their second and third marriages Mm -hmm. who have done it the old fashioned way and have been, you know, waited to be the husband to get these benefits, whether they're sexual, whether they're this, whether you're saving this for your man or your woman or not. And then, you know, they're like, I'm not doing that anymore. Been there, done that. And I got into the marriage and I didn't like the way he or she did this. Mm-hmm. And now I'm married with them and I feel like I have to stick with the better or worse, the rich or the poor, the sickness and health, because that's what I said I was going to do. do. So yeah. I think it's one of those answers that is not, you know, a broad stroke answer where you could just say this is for, I think it's really situational, really how much, you know, trust, value and love the person and what you guys are willing again to communicate and comprehend with each other and break down those societal narratives, especially those oh, restrictive, sexist religious narratives of what you're supposed to save yeah for marriage in order for you to be holy or worthy yeah right what you're supposed to save because there's a lot of women not coming or having orgasms because they were told that if they try anything prior to marriage that they're whores they're going to hell and they're not going to be worthy mm-hmm. of wearing quite mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so they get with these men trying to limit their sexual you know uh situations and then they get with these men who they don't even know how to please themselves, let alone let a man please them. A quick pump. Huh? A quick pump. Is that all? Is that all? Right? You have women who are taught that if they masturbate, they're going to hell. If And if they, if they act on their sexual desires with a partner or themselves, that they are not going to see the kingdom of God. Mm. And when you want to be in God's presence, when you want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, servant you start yeah, to believe yeah. that if you do anything to honor the natural feelings that God also gave you, that you are not worthy. So there are a lot of women who are oppressed sexually, who think that the oppression is what God wants. And then they turn around not pleasing the man. Wow. Right? So wow. then we have marriage discord. Then he goes and cheats. Then we're now silenced at the church. But he's still going to play the drums and I'm going to be the shamed woman because I didn't do what he needed as his wife. You see the pattern here? Yeah. So there's yeah. there's there's levels and situations to this. Vicious pattern. <laughs> that is vicious. Vicious. Religion has a lot of vicious patterns that really are normalized that need to be unnormalized, if that's a word. We're sitting here setting people up for failure mm. also that they can stay in the cult. All that they so that they can give their ties and offerings. Make sure that ties ready, huh? Yeah, but while the pastor's <laughs> up here 
with his that's mistress. Neither, but that's neither here. No, that is here and there. Nor there. No, 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 what no, no, the no, no, pastor no. does, amen. What BJ said, is there's some hoes business. in this church house. Can I get a amen? There is some hoes in this church. There's some hoes in this church house. There's some hoes in this church house. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Take 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 it. You want to get the Sopranos, Altos, and Tennis in here so we can harmonize. Well, BJ, just make sure you put the T-Pain on it later. <laughs> you, have, you have pastors, recently Pastor John Gray. You have pastors mm, out here. Mm, mm. Mm, that's a whole nother episode. I just wanted to touch on it right quick. You have pastors My out God. here who are, who are preaching to these women like his wife who is staying. And now accepting and participating as a victisipant, we've talked about that, victisipant, a victim and a participant all at the same time. Holla at me if you want more clarity. A victisipant. We create victisipants in the religious world. And then these wow. women go out and have daughters and create more victisipants, right? And you want to talk about why marriage is suffering in the black community, especially mm. when the black community is led by the church. So where do you, okay. I think that there is a for better or for worse when it comes to church too. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is interesting about John Gray and his wife is that I think, and this is not me being judgmental. This is just me basing my opinions on how it's typically reared in society. There is a underwhelming self-esteem on both parties because when you look at Aventer based on mega churches, mm -hmm. And the presentation of leadership in those spaces, Aventer is not considered to be the typical woman you see in that position. And then, too, John Gray is also not the nigga you typically see getting bitches in the church either. Absolutely not. So here is two people, for better or for worse, standing before God, not owning that I never got pussy growing up. As a man. Teach, BJ. And here's a woman saying, I've never been in a position as close to a first lady. I've never been seen this I've never way. been seen this oh, way. Oh, my God. So for better or for worse, we're going to make <laughs> this look, look like some shit. We're going to make this look, look like you some want shit. Me to, you want me to handle this? I'm getting all this, all this Attention, wop. Love. I'm getting all this good wop. You know what I mean? I'm supposed to stop because I'm a. I've never had wet ass pussy. Yeah. I'm, yes, I've never had this amount. This this. Okay, you know, he maybe let's say he was a player in high school. He wish. Let, I tried to. I tried to say. I tried to say a few. But let's say he was a player in high school, and he now he's getting all this abundance. Abundance of what? Of whore pussy. And now I'm supposed to stop because I'm a pastor of a church and I'm married. No, no, no. You're not supposed to stop because you're a pastor. Because a title means nothing. You're supposed to stop because of your morals, ethics, and values. We're not going to act like a title automatically makes you a superb human being. What morals, ethics, and values? Clearly, they're not there. Clearly, yeah. they're not there because you understand that when you take that title, you are under a microscope. And what you're doing is weekly, daily, you're selling people this dream that women are supposed to do this and men are supposed to do that. And then you have his wife and BJ brings up a good point. We don't know what these celebs, these pastors, these influencers, these motivational people, we don't really know them. 
So yeah. we don't know their yeah. background. So when they're preaching and teaching to us, myself included, people don't really know me. You don't know what I'm really like before and after I get on this microphone. You don't know what baggage I really hold. Facts. So you Facts. like what I say when you press play. But afterwards, you have no idea what childhood traumas I'm really dealing with and what situations will come and bring those childhood traumas mm-hmm. out. So when you have a man who's really not getting ass like that or that kind of ass he wants because they claim a man is as faithful as his rich options, right? So now he getting perky titties and fat asses. Delicious. Now he getting balls licking ass eating that he wasn't getting before. Delicious. So I can't turn that down. I'm going to put God to the side. And just like his wife, I may have never gotten this attention before, this much love. Women respect me, value me. I am getting seen and uplifted in a way. And Ayala Van Sant had an episode uh, a few years ago with a pastor and it was similar. And she spoke to his wife who was violated. And she said, honey, what are you doing for a church hat in a parking space? Mm. She said, baby. Baby, Lay it down. what are you doing for a big Easter Sunday church hat, a fascinator, and a VIP parking space? You just get to park wherever you want, so you sold your soul. That's you right. get the big piece of chicken from That's the right. church cooking ministry. That's right. And you sold your soul. Yeah. That's right. Wow. It happens all the time. And you want to talk? They want to talk about marriage. You have marriage for, seminars and books. Yeah, yeah. We so we pump faking out here in this piece. We pump faking. I would rather if he just came out or people like him in general. Listen, can you separate an artist? from you know with their art versus what they are in real life i don't know that's a whole separate argument but if you're honest about it there are some people we do celebrate and still listen to their music or still buy their books um or still listen to their radio shows because we know they're upfront about their their wrongdoings yeah i think what determines that is how i title you for my personal health because an artist is completely different from a leader say it so an artist can fuck up and I can overlook it and say, hey, call, charge it to the game. But when I say you are a leader, when I say that you are a a pastor, a man of God, anything in reverence. Fair. I can't forgive you for those behaviors because as much as I want to blame John Gray because he is at an extreme fault for his actions, the church is not conditioned for better or for worse to deal with the issues that are being presented in the world today. No, agreed. So when we have these conversations about, I married a woman of God who is not attractive. Well, I married a no. woman of God who don't have a body type I'm attracted to. Come on, BJ. I married a woman of God that was constructed based upon how y'all taught me and not how y'all nourished me. I had, I was a whore when I walked in here Mm. and having read one scripture about how to deal with the whore in me. I just know how to medicate it by saying, leave it at the altar. To be baptized. To be baptized. To be born again. Yes. To repent from my sins. You ain't telling me how to not look at the first lady and not deal with the fact that I'm aroused. You're not telling me how to actually diagnose the problem. You're teaching me how to secretly treat the symptoms. Yeah. Right. And you're teaching me that because she, as he says, she quote, she covers me. I married the woman who's going to tolerate my shit. That's yeah. what I hear when he speaks. Yeah. He gives these, I mean, again, he's a great orator have these chicks like Ooh, Lord, it's yeah. called hypnosis yes he hypnotized you with is. the great you know he rhyming he damn near uh lyricist he that's, out here rhyming and saying she covers yeah. me and she she helped me grow and she birthed me and all this and these chicks oh lord jesus yes no what he is saying is i feel like bj's right he's saying basically you didn't teach me how to 
understand who I am as a man and my needs. You taught me how to put her in position, her meaning the woman who will tolerate my shit, Mm -hmm. keep my secrets, and make sure that no matter what, she stands by me so that the rest of the people can come back and stand by me too. That is not a leader. Yeah, yeah. And it's for the... I mean, it's for the the betterment of the church, but the worst of the woman. Honestly, yes, because we have faith in things that we have yet to see. Well, that's what faith is. That's what faith is. So naturally, when we see a woman who can see the greatest or the greater of a man, it it almost makes a woman comfortable with a nigga she questioning at this moment. It's a it poster. does. It's, it's, it's a definitely a poster child. Definitely is a poster. For, it's a poster for, child to yes. me for women suffering to be happy, and I don't like it. Yeah, black women suffering to get to joy. I agree. Black women suffering to get to happiness. Black women suffering to get to faithfulness. Absolutely not. Yeah. I said no. Yeah, facts. No, man. Facts. So I want to emphasize the the new phrase of for better, no worse, because we're not supposed to accept the worst of anything. If we're going to work through it, it has to be some type of foresight into betterment in order for us to tolerate it. Sometimes the worst is the exit. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. Sometimes okay? the better is the exit. The better is the exit. And we have to just be bigger enough people to admit these things to ourselves and our partners. I really... Love these conversations because I have people who have shown me the worst of a relationship telling me that marriage is better for my own. Hmm. Um, I've seen knives and, th- you know, things thrown to each other. I've seen getting caught, police getting caught, niggas getting arrested in marriage. Mm-hmm. And these are the people that will tell you when you get married. So for the best or the better of my own relationship, I have these conversations with people that I feel like lead me in the right direction of respect, you know, boundaries and communication and give me the proper insight to standardize and customizing your own relationship. So this is why this conversation is so important. I truly feel like I'm speaking directly to certain listeners. So if in fact this is you, um, please let me know how you felt about today's conversation. I try to keep these conversations short. We had an hour and 20 (laughs) and I got a lot to, you know, of course, you know, continue this conversation, but I don't want to hit you too much, but um, let me know what you guys think about this. Like in closing, if you two can tell me the better and the worst of a relationship, what is it and how do you deal with it? When you say the best part of the relationship is this and the worst part is that, how do you deal with the both? Well, both of those things in terms of each other. For me, the best and worst part of the relationship is exposure. Marrying him exposed me, like Mm. ripped me open. You want to talk about trust and daddy issues and not liking men and getting to the root of that and wow it's the best thing because i learned so much over the last 10 years like i've learned (laughs) no book could teach this to me no book could teach it to me it's the better because of the wisdom that i now have whether it's with him whether i end up single whether i end up in a new relationship he does or not i've just it's better for me because it's the woman you that sits before you in front of this microphone 
I cannot, I would be remiss if I didn't say he has a huge part to do with that. I always tell you, I will take care of him for the rest of my life. He's good because of the better that the exposure being married to him has given me. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you marry someone, if you're supposed to be married to them, your issues and their issues are married as well and they expose each other and you have two choices work on them together and separately or let them destroy you and that's the better because we didn't let it destroy us it almost did until he obviously let me i went into life coaching and he let me take the lead emotionally and mentally and he was like i'll i'll submit in this emotional area wow that's the better for me and it's also simultaneously the worst because it rips you Open. open before open. you get to this conversation, child. The tears, the anger, the looking for another home, going to a realtor, going to therapy, trying to practice having the conversation with your family and friends who love him so much. Like he might not be around in the capacity you mm. guys have come accustomed to. That's the worst part of it. Because that rip open, that exposure also exposes and rips open other people. When you get married, yes, it's just you and your spouse. But if you're family driven, if you're family orientated, like I, he raised my nieces and nephews. I raised his. My mama, his mama. I ain't going to Africa with just nobody. <laughs> you know, I ain't taking a 22-hour flight with just nobody. So it's the best and the worst for me for that exposure that came with our marriage. Mm. Man, listen. That that's exactly how I feel. It's, it's the same exact way. It's like, you know, you you get into a relationship with this this person, and then you realize uh, you get this opportunity where you like you're you're actually looking back and seeing what faults you have as a as a person. Like what your if you have the ability to take some self inventory, some self accountability, you're looking inward and you're like, wow, like okay, like I was talking about the uh, speaking up aspect before earlier. I was just like, wow, like. I'm flashing back to all these times where I was trying to understand why, whether it's in a corporate setting or in high school, I'm trying, I'm flashing back to like eight or nine times where I I didn't have the ability to speak up and then I meet this human and she's literally giving me the opportunity to say, well, do you understand why you don't speak up? Do you, do you know where that, that comes from? And I'm like, no one's ever asked me that. Ask me that again. Now my heart is just like exploding with uh, uh, thoughts. My heart and my mind exploding with thoughts where I've never been before, and that's strictly for that's strictly me being able to open up and say this is my worst, and then have the ability to work on it. So it's both. It's uh, what she said earlier was exactly how I feel. So when you submitted to her emotional leadership, how did that make you feel? Well, I knew she, she, when she goes into something, uh, she goes full steam ahead. She's not going to play with it, you know. So I knew when she went into um, getting the information of uh, being a life coach, certified certified professional life coach. When she went into doing that, I was um, all for it, number one, because I knew it was going to give her tools that she's never had before. You know, all this, like, all this conversation about doing stuff, and then when you don't have the tools to do it, this is like, how do you do it? Right, right, right. So now I was open for her to get tools where it's like, well, bring some stuff home so we can we can practice and see if it works for us. And she brought these tools home and she started asking me questions and we start playing these games and I'm start like getting epiphany moments and then she's just like she'll ask me a question and I'll be like, Wait, I gotta you know what, give me like ten minutes. I gotta digest this because you just opened up something that I never thought about 
Let me come back to you on that. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, man. It's hard. Yeah, man. It's hard, but it, we got here. And much respect to you too for um sharing, you know, insight into what it took to create the relationship that you two have. Um I really don't like the direction that society and social settings and different areas create for relationships because it doesn't speak to this the work the the not liking the person you have to love um not necessarily being a hundred percent for but supportive of the growth out of a space in a relationship that is unacceptable to you um it doesn't speak to that and you have to learn that in this space here when you just kicking it with this nigga for six months or you with a boyfriend for two years who hasn't popped a question. It's some work still that has to go into making him feel comfortable and heard enough to say, I choose you for my wife for better or for worse. If that still means anything to you after this episode. So um, I'm just grateful because I fight with for better or for worse every day. And um, I always have the better in mind when it comes to my partner. But worst case scenarios are always being used to try to make me do something I don't necessarily know I'm completely sure about. Mm. So That's emotional manipulation. Yeah. And we have to stop that as blacks, yeah. you know, in particular, because longevity don't mean y'all going to work and be happy. Hmm. So this is why we had this conversation. I enjoyed it. And I am super excited for all of what is to come from you that are listening. If you have any questions, comments, opinions, you have rebuttals, whatever it is, please send it in to DergoBJ. That is D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter. The subject change on Instagram. I have an email address, changed subject, C-H-A-N-G-E-D at gmail.com um please reach out and let me know what you thought of this episode what you thought of my guests i know they're superb but maybe you have a different opinion let me know what that is too and also um please you guys share your information one more time so they can get in touch with everything you two are doing individually and collectively on rbc that is not for free because it is on Stephanie TLA's Patreon that, again, is not for free. Yes. My Patreon page is patreon.com backslash Stephanie, the life architect. You can find that link in all of my social media bios, which is at Stephanie TLA. That's at Stephanie, S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E-T-L-A. Come on over to Patreon. Join us not only for the monthly RBCs, Respect Boundaries, and Communication episodes, video episodes that I shoot with Denny Blanco over here, but also our monthly video calls, which are growing and fantastic in addition to extra content that i release just for you also you can hit me up on my website at blcny.org and if you can't find me through all that just go to bj and he'll send you my way i am denny blanco twitter instagram holla at me denny talks listen I'm, the links are right on the page on the i'm denny blanco page on instagram come through support the page support the black engine i appreciate you bj for having us we always a pleasure on my part man this has been episode i don't know what number it is we're not going to number it it's special we're just going to say it's an episode of change the subject that we're going to title for better no worse i will see you guys in two weeks peace and blessings